0: Hey everybody, Mike here. Welcome to the LaxRecords.com podcast, episode 23. Kind of like last week, we're just gonna get right into the show this week. Uh, this week I have two guests. Um, I have head coach Scott Ricard from Immokalee. I finally learned how to pronounce it. <laughs> Guesting on the show today, and then I'm also having an interview with Nyack senior goalie Will Ramos, who just became the 12th known goalie to hit uh, thousand career saves. But before we get into those interviews, I kind of want to cover uh, a few different things—things things that basically just kind of drew my attention for the week. Um, it was a busy week. If you've been keeping up with what's going on on the site this week, you have noticed there was a lot of updates to the 2017 Stylax stat leaders. Um, we had coaches earning milestone victories. We had players, you know, getting program records. I mean, we had a new state record set. I mean, it was—it was a crazy week. It's been an exciting week. Um, So, kind of getting into it, I'm going to kick it off with, once again, as I like to do, uh, talk about the the national rankings. I'm recording this on Thursday night, so I actually just finished compiling the rankings for this week, and uh, a couple things kind of stood out to me. Uh, One was the Haverford School out of Haverford, Pennsylvania. On a six-game winning streak, and they they jumped up... um, six spots this week. They were in 13 in the consensus rankings last week. They jumped up to seven. Um, They leapfrogged a a number of teams, which I always find is interesting whenever teams leapfrog other teams. Um, But, you know, it's kind of hard to argue with uh, Haverford's record as of late. You know, they started the season off 0-2. They lost to two MIAA conference schools, but they've come back uh, with a vengeance. Uh, They beat Culver Academy. They beat Boys Latin. They beat Malvern Prep, and that's just kind of the highlights um, again after starting 0-2, and I can't talk about Haverford School without talking about last week's player of the week, TJ Malone. He helped him to the wins over Boys Latin and, and Malvern Prep, and I mean, he's a junior. He had 17 points in three games. He also had a, a number of points in the Strathaven game, which was part of the Checking for Cancer tournament that happened not yesterday, but the previous Saturday. Um, so he had 17 points in three games. I mean, he had uh, three goals and one assist in the boys' Latin game. Um, Haverford was actually down 5-3 at halftime at that game and went on to win 12-11. to um, He followed that help with five goals and one assist against uh, Malvern Prep, which is a huge conference game because those two teams meet twice during the season. And generally, one of those teams win the Inter-AC uh, championship, and those games pretty much decide who's going to end up winning the, the, the conference title each year. So it's going to be kind of kind of interesting to see once those two teams play again, if you know maybe the, the tide is turning, because I think Malvern Prep, they had lost to LaSalle College High School uh, uh, before they lost to Haverford. So they lost a couple games. So it'll be kind of interesting to see if these two teams are on different trajectories when they meet later in the season in just in just a few weeks. So uh, that that was kind of my big big note for the rankings. I also I have a couple other notes in last week's. Dale Barton, kind of uh, n- not really moving a whole lot despite starting four zero. But as I was uh, getting ready to record this, they had just lost this evening. So I'm sure like, my kind of interest is going to see how much they're penalized after not really having moved up that much. Because usually when a team starts in the top twenty five, and then after four or five weeks when they really haven't moved despite winning. That just kind of shows me that you know a lot of the, the rankers don't really have a whole lot of confidence in the team at that point, so they're hesitant to keep, keep moving them up, um, which is honestly kind of typical for New Jersey squads. I, I know um, uh, usually fans of Jersey kind of hate it because generally the New Jersey schools start way further down in the rankings, and a lot of that has to do... Same thing with New York. New York schools usually start a little bit further in the rankings for the most part. St. Anthony's and Chaminade are usually... The two um, outliers in that, but you know, there's a little bit of a a a point to that because the way you look at it is, you know, Florida teams start so early that you know you usually keep them generally out of the rankings until the last few weeks of the year because by that time you go you you get teams out of New York and the new jerseys and the Northeast schools they are going to lose out. And then you're going to want to move the, you know, maybe a St. Thomas Aquinas or a Ponte or whoever wins the FHSAA championship. You'll probably want to move them into the top 25. So usually Florida schools don't appear in the rankings early, unless they just have a completely demanding schedule early. And then, you know, if they, they win, they earn it. If they, they lose, they fall out, but then they usually end up making it back in, in somewhere. I, so I wouldn't be surprised to see like Florida school. Um, But back to New Jersey. Uh, So, you know, I I wasn't too surprised to see them not move up too much because, again, you kind of figure that those schools ahead of them will eventually end up losing. And then they just kind of move up the the progression bar because since New Jersey is one of the later states to finish their season, so they generally end up finishing maybe like a top 10 or something like that, just by virtue of you know teams ahead of them continuing to lose, as long as the team continues to win. So you know, I, I wasn't shocked, but it was kind of just surprising to see that they had been leapfrog a few times and now they lost. So I'll be interested to see what happens to them next week. Um, so moving on from, from rankings, uh, you know, I want to kind of note a couple of uh, notable performers from last week outside of of Will, who I again will be interviewing a little bit later on um Kevin Lindley out of Darien now. This is a game I actually got to watch because the Darien Athletic Foundation, which I'd like to give a huge shout out to, they streamed the game against Niskiuna on Saturday. Um again, yet. uh I think it was I forget the date like April April 9th or something. Um April 8th actually. Uh and you know, the Darien won 17 to 9 and Kevin Lindley had nine goals and one assist. Um, uh, they said it set it tied the program record for most goals in a single game against Kate, uh, Case matthias had had the record. So, obviously, a lot of uh, Duke fans will know that name, a lot of ACC fans, or just college fans in general. Uh, so, Kevin, uh, had tied that record, uh, with that nine goals and one assist. And it, it was quite a performance like that it was like Darien pulled away late. Um, in that game. So that was a, a pretty impressive infor- performance. And if you go to the website and uh, find the, the story, which I'll actually put a link to in the show notes, you actually can see the replay of the game. They have it on their YouTube channel. Um, so you can actually watch that game as well on demand. And I think another uh, notable performance this week came out of South Carolina. Uh, Christchurch Christ Church Episcopals' Chase Poplin became uh, South Carolina's all time leading goal scorer with a four-goal performance and a 19-2 win over Eastside. And that was on Monday, April 10th. Um, Poplin had passed current Duke attackman and former Fort Mill star Mitch Russell. Uh, Poplin now has 203 career goals. Russell had 200 goals in his high school career. Russell is still in no danger of losing the overall points lead. He has uh, uh, over... I think he has... um, will have it right in front of me, but I know he has at least 400 points. He might be exactly 400 points. I think he had 200 and 200 for his career. Um, So I'll put a a, a link to the South Carolina state records. And just kind of a quick update (laughs) because I know, um, especially with Florida having finished their season and some teams already done, I have started to get the question as far as like when the state records will be updated. And generally, I update state records. Um, Don't get updated until at minimum till the – state championship game has been played. Uh, it's just a little bit too much for me to try and do the the state updates because it's, it's, I kind of worked on the back end over the summer so it's a little bit easier than it has been in previous years but there's still quite a few updates and generally it takes me a while to get all the stats from all the different areas to kind of make sure I'm getting corrected information and um, everything's kind of up to date and cleaned up before I update so I usually take some time before the end of the season so if you're uh, a Florida uh, high school lacrosse fan wondering when those state pages um, are going to get updated or if you're a South Carolina fan wanting to know when Chase's uh, name is going to move up the, that list. It's going to be a few more weeks uh, just, to, just because uh, for my own sanity and to make sure I give attention to all the states um, as the season is being progressed, but I will send out updates when states start to get updated throughout the year as well. I always go in alphabetical order, (laughs) so it's pretty easy to figure out what states will be updated and when. So those were two um, of the uh, notable ones that I will not be interviewing. I want to kind of keep it short because I have um, two, not lengthy, but two um, longer interviews this week, and I want to make sure I get to them. So first off, we're going to talk to Will Ramos, who... um, he made six saves and a 17-3 win over Edgemont on uh, Saturday, April 8th. Saturday, April 8th was a very busy day. Um, and that actually put him at exactly 1,000 career saves. And that is notable because there's only 12 known players that um, I'm aware of. There may be more out there. I always caveat that. It's like these are the best known like that I've been able to track down and been able to find out. But as of today... There are 12 known players, and Will became the 12th to reach that 1,000-career save mark. And just kind of as a, a side note, I think the 400-point club, which I have all the players and player bios for um, on the website, like I think there's 68 of them. So that just kind of gives you an idea. And, I mean, there's, there's a lot of different factors that go into being able to make... A thousand career saves. Um, So you know we're actually going to talk to Will um, a little bit about that because he in New York is one of the states that allow you to play since you're uh, as if you're an eighth grader. So it's kind of interesting to to note as well. So Will, um, I'll put a link to my interview, the written interview I did with him as part of the high school notebook that I do every Tuesday. But if you don't want to read and you'd rather take this with you, um, I'm going to have the um, full interview and we're actually gonna get to that right now. What did a thousand mean to you?
1: Um, I mean it means a lot, you know. I I've been a part of this NIAC program ever since I was thirteen. I mean I started playing in eighth grade. Well, when I first started playing I never I never thought it'd be a re- a realistic achievement. I I got into this Kept playing my game, and then maybe when I was a junior, about my midway through my junior year, it kind of dawned on me that I was approaching a thousand. And I, after I broke the Naack High School record, I realized that maybe I could go even further and try and get the section. So I was—it's it's really exciting time. You know, I'm really happy about it. The whole team's happy about it.
0: Yeah, it was uh, it was quite a day because I saw one of your your teammates hit. Um, well, I guess he had two teammates that had over ten points of the game, and then one of them got his hundredth career goal. So it was like yeah, I was, a
1: yeah, his name is Brendan Osullivan. Brendan, uh, we actually call him Vito. Vito, my whole life has pretty much been my best friend. You know, we played we played youth lacrosse together growing up. And we, there's always always growing up, we always had their stick in our hands. And he always shot on me. so. It's kinda of where we our game evolved from. We're just playing around in the backyard. So it was a pretty exciting time because he got his one hundredth goal and I got my one thousand save and it happened to be in the same game.
0: Yeah, I saw I saw the pictures on there. They were, they were pretty great, you know, with the, the hundred and thousand marked on the ball, so that was pretty fantastic. Um Yeah, that was really cool. You know, uh you know, I, I know it's one of, New York's kind of unique because you can play on the, the varsity high school team with an eighth grader and you not only played but you started so what what was that like you know coming up as an eighth grader and playing on a high school lacrosse team in New York it was it was very different i mean it was very obvious that the
1: maturity level between me and some of the seniors were very different <laughs> but what made it very it made it very easy for me because my brother was on the team and my brother happened to be a senior captain uh-huh. and so I knew my brother very well, obviously, and I knew a lot of his friends who were on the team because they have been at my house when I was younger, and I knew them while I was growing up. So it wasn't like I was just introduced to a team of strangers. It was a bunch of kids that I was I was growing up with and I was very comfortable with, so it made it a lot easier on my end to play with them.
0: Yeah. Was there like, was it nerve wracking or anything like that? You know, being obviously, you know, I'm just trying to think back to what I was like in eighth grade and I couldn't imagine have been on the, the high school team. Cause I mean, I guess you weren't, I don't know what night like the, where is eighth grade part of the, the high school physical building or is it separate? So the
1: high school and the middle school are at two separate locations. So after every single Every single day of middle school, I'd have to travel over to the high school. But it's not, it's not too far because it's not actually a small town. It's only a couple minutes. Right. To drive. But the only – I did run into a conflict, though, because the high school ends around 2 o'clock and the middle school ends around 3. So oftentimes we would have practice at 3 o'clock, so I would be coming practice a little late and stuff like that. But aside from that, I, I wouldn't necessarily say I was nervous. I I felt that we had a really really good defense that year, so they gave me a lot of confidence, and they actually helped me get the shots that I wanted to see. You know, like it was a very, I want to say, very controlled, controlled team.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But I I wouldn't say I was nervous. I was very confident.
0: Yeah. You know, what What do you think gave you that confidence? At in as an eighth grader?
1: I would say well. My whole life, I was playing with older kids, so I I wanted to say I was kind of used to that level of competition. Because in seventh grade, I also played on the junior varsity team, so I was already playing like those workouts with the older guys. And even when I was even when I was playing youth across, you know, I was in third grade, and I was me and Brandon were playing on the, the fifth and sixth grade team. And then when I was in fifth grade, we played out with the seventh and eighth grade team. So I was always used to that higher level of competition and kind of being the youngest one on the field. Mm -hmm. So I learned to adapt with it and kind of just play my game.
0: Okay. So what do you think you've, um, what what has been your biggest, I guess, adjustment since that, you know, over that time? Because I'm sure you've learned quite a few things since that eighth grade year now being a senior. So what do you think the biggest thing you've learned since then has been?
1: I would say the biggest thing I learned was, Just how to be a leader on the field, you know. You really can't beat experience, and just having having seen what the game has come from over the last five years, it really gives you an insight that you know people who have only been on the team for one year just aren't aware of. So it kind of allows me to kind of guide my teammates in the right direction and kind of make sure they're doing the right things and kind of give them what you can get away with, what you can't get away with, and things like that, and kind of how to prepare for the task in
0: games ahead. Okay. Um. And it's kind of wrapping up. I want to talk about the offense a little bit, man. I think you got, I, I, not, I don't have it in front of me, but I think you got like three or four goals and a couple assists this season. Um, yes. How, how does that happen?
1: <laughs> I have, right now I have three goals and three assists. I um I, I'm actually a part of the man up unit. So if there's a 60 second penalty, then I'll run out of the net. I have my short stick, elbow pads, and a different pair of gloves that I leave in the box. So I just once I see the flag, I run over to the box. I change real quick, and then I just I go on the man up unit. But the reason I can play offense is because I never actually stopped playing midfield until eighth grade. Okay. So for my youth, te- my youth across team, I would split time. I would play the first half in goal, and then I would play the second half in the field. So I've just always had a short stick in my hand. It's kind of, kind of just always been my thing. So it's 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 cool. It's yeah. definitely really cool. I was gonna say, how
0: much fun is it to you know kind of change up that? Mo- <laughs> change up in the middle of the game. I,
1: I love it. There's there's nothing better. I I honestly love it.
0: Yeah, how how do the teammates react whenever you've
1: scored uh, this season? Uh, they it, it gets it gets pretty loud, you know. People get really excited because no one expects it. It's like <laughs> you see a team if they don't have the scouting report against us, they just see the goalie run out of the net and then put on a short stick. They're
0: kind of just like, like what the heck's going on? Like, <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. It usually makes uh makes big news whenever you see the goal. Usually, from what I've seen, goalies score. It's usually because they chuck it from the other end, and you know the other goalie may be out of the goal or something like that. So that's usually when I've seen goal. Yeah. Kind of interesting to see that you got you know, you keep your gear on the sideline just waiting for that moment. Yeah,
1: yeah. I all my points have come from a short
0: stick. That's awesome. This year,
1: yeah it's it's
0: definitely it's definitely really fun. Well, man, I, you know, thank you again. I really appreciate it. You know, I mean, I, like I said, I was uh, in touch with the, whoever runs your guys' Twitter account, who was fantastic, by the way. So please pass on my, uh, my congratulations to them as well, because they do a great job. But, uh, you know, I know you were kind of getting close to a thousand, so I was kind of making sure I kept on tabs with it. Um, and it just happened to be a, a, you know, kind of a great day considering, you know, two 10 point performers on the team and, you know, Brendan's hundredth goal. So quite a day and I hope yeah. you're enjoyed the win and and the achievement of uh, all you guys.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate this a lot. Hey,
0: everybody. Welcome back. All right. Now, um, we're not going to spend too much more time. I got an interview with Immokalee head coach, Scott Ricard. Um, this was an interesting one for me because Coach Ricard's been really fantastic over the last couple years about letting me know uh, about a couple of his players, three of his players to be exact, that have been – pretty consistent on earning spots on the, uh, the Stylak stat leaders, um, over the last two, at least the last two seasons. Um, and I think I have them for the last three, but, um, I know for sure, at least the last two years, they've, especially Mark Galindo has been pretty much a staple just to kind of give you a little bit of context. Uh, Mockley is Edger and James's, um, for those Indianapolis Colts fan, Edger and James are running back. Um, Back came in the league right around the same time as, as Peyton Manning, um, and he was by far one of the the better backs in leagues. Like he was actually one of my favorite running backs um, back in the day. Um, so it's a, his alma mater, and the the school itself is a is a football power. Um, Coach Ricard talks a little bit about the makeup of the school as far as like what kind of the the student body um, is like. And we talk a lot about how he's helped turn the lacrosse program into a winning program and some of the players that have helped him. Just to give you a little bit of context, the Mockley was 1-10 in 2011. The program was started in 2010, um, so they um, I think they won two games their first year and then went 1-10 in 2011, and then they had a couple coaching changes the next few years. Coach Ricard was an assistant on those teams, but in 2014, he took over as head coach. That year, Lax Power has them at two and twelve. So that was in two thousand fourteen. They w- had a winning record last season, and then this year they went thirteen and seven. So, and he he admits, and you'll hear him talk about like how he was not a lacrosse guy when he started, didn't know a whole lot. So he's learning, um, as some of the players are learning. So what he's been able to do with the program has been phenomenal. Um, they're kind of a lower income area, so you know it's been really important for him to kind of get some of the guys out and you know get them to travel, kind of get them. Out of Immokalee and show them new parts of the state, and they had a spring break trip that um, they actually documented on Instagram account, So I'll have a link to that as well because it, it was fun. So it's it's just a really great story out of out of Florida, and uh, I really was excited to to get him on the podcast so he can share it. Um, and I kind of want wanted uh, before we kind of get into the interview, talk about three of the players that he mentions um, that are going to end up on, on Florida's all time leaders list um, when I do the updates in a few weeks so I already mentioned Mark Galindo Brian Reyes and goalie Raymond Perez all three um, like I said will finish uh, with spots on the all-time leaders list and from the information that I've collected so far Perez looks like he's going to finish second all-time in the state for known saves with 671 Um, I have one goalie that I'm still working to confirm that I think just finished with just barely over 700 Um, so he will obviously end up as number one as long as I'm able to Verify it with one more source, and then we'll do that. Galindo finished with 277 career points, which is the program's all-time leader. Reyes finished second on the program all-time with 226 career points. So I also have links to their MaxPreps pages, which the the Coach Coach Ricard updates. So without further ado, I'm going to let him talk about the program much more eloquently than, than I've been able to. Um, but I also want to thank him for letting me know how to pronounce the school's name. So <laughs> on to the interview. Tell me a little bit about the, the school in general, because I think you guys over the summer were kind of trying to get raise some funds. So you guys bring break trip and stuff like that. And I saw you guys got that. So just tell me a little bit about the, the program. How old is it and things like that?
2: Well, the, the community, it's a farming community. Mm-hmm. It's the school itself is 95 percent free and reduced lunch, so we have a lot of low income socio, a lot of low income families that, you know, are borderline on the on the poverty poverty line. Mm-hmm. The school itself, uh, to a C school, uh, academically, so it you know it, it raised itself from from a D to a C, um, and the program was started Carriere County, which is the county that, that, that we're in. It's one of the, I don't know how familiar you are, you are with Florida, but it's Fort Myers is one of the big cities, one of the, you know, one of the big cities that everybody seems to know. We're the county south of, of that. Okay. It, um, they picked up lacrosse as a, you know, as a county in 2000, 2009. Okay. So they, they bought the equipment for all the school, all the public schools, um, so that everybody could, all the schools could have it at that time. Couple of the schools had had it as clubs for a few years: Barron, Collier, Gulf Coast, Naples, mm-hmm. um, which are generally the more affluent schools in our in our county. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, the county bought all the all the all the stuff in 2009, and it, it's kind of taken off from there. And in 2009, you know, the the lower schools, uh, ourselves, Laley, have kind of really struggled with it. You know they haven't really fielded comp- really competitive teams. So 2009, I think they had three wins, but they beat Layley and they beat Palmetto Ridge. And 2010 is when we had a we had a new coach come in who was actually the offensive coordinator for the football team. And at the end of the season he asked me, "Hey Rickard, do you want to coach lacrosse?" I, said, I don't know. I don't know anything about it because <laughs> when I was in high school, I graduated from Naples High in Carter County. I uh, played football and I ran track. We didn't have, at that time, we didn't have, lacrosse wasn't a sport. I'd seen it on TV, you know, at the college level and thought, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty cool sport. I wouldn't mind playing it. Yeah. But, you know, I didn't have the, you know, the gumption to go start a club or anything. So, and he asked me, I, yeah, sure, you know, let's let's do this. And, uh, you know, we started it up and the first game we played Lely and we beat him. Um, beat him handedly. It was a running clock. We kind of look at each other. I was like, man, all right, this lacrosse thing, we got to figure it out. And <laughs> didn't didn't win another game the rest of the year. Running <laughs> clocks the rest of the year. So uh, it was kind of a kind of a rude awakening at that point. Uh, the next year, he stepped down, um, you know, he's a football coach. He's the offensive coordinator. One, you know, we're a football town. He wanted to focus on football. Then another coach came in. My wife and I were having a baby, expecting a baby, so I stepped down as an assistant. Uh, they didn't, they didn't win a game that whole year. <laughs> no, they won one game. I'm sorry. I think they won one game. I forget. And then I came in the next year and we won. Um, I came back as an assistant and we won one game. And then the coach that was there, he had a family issue. His mother was sick, so he had to step down. My wife and I talked about it said hey let's you know let's do this lacrosse thing i want to you know i think we can turn the corner and then in 2000 what's it or 17 16 15 14, so 2013 i think i took it over four years ago Okay. and uh you're as head- you know yeah as the head coach and you know
0: uh, yeah i was kind of looking through your guys uh you know the schedule on lax pound it looks like 2014, you guys had won uh, two games, but since then you've been steadily improving. uh, And so, what, like, I guess, why? What has been the difference?
2: Well, I took a little bit from, you know, I was was lucky enough to to be an assistant football coach for, you know, five or six years, and I saw what what worked in practice. taking the, the kids and having an, like an individual period and then a group period and then a team period where, you'd, you know, you'd run in football, seven on seven, you know, you have your seven on sevens, 11 on 11s. And I kind of applied that to lacrosse when I was an assistant coach. Mm-hmm. The practice was kind of, it was, all right, we'll work on this and then we'll roll the ball out and then we'll just, we'll just let them practice. <clears throat> just let them scrimmage. But there was no... No really working on fundamentals and it didn't really dawn on me until I became, you know, until I was named the head coach that, you know, we're not really working on fundamentals at all during our practice. We're just kind of doing stuff just to do stuff. Right. Um, and then, so that's what I kind of, I kind of started with. I was like, all right, every, every practice we're going to have an, an indie period for 20 minutes. We're going to work on something. We're going to work on shooting. We're going to work on passing. We're going to work on ground balls. We're going to work on something every day. And then we'll get together and we'll get all the defenders, you know, the defenders and the goalie. They can work on clears. They can work on, you know, setting up the defense, how the rotation is going to work. We can pull one of the other goalies and with the offense and we can take shots. We can work on our, you know, the plays we want to work on, work on our formations and take shots on the goalie. So now the goalie's getting more shots. We're getting shots. And then we'll come together as a team. You know, work on five-on-five, on five, work on man-up situations, work on man-down situations, and do more situational stuff. Uh, and, it, you know, it's it's paid off, you know, I, I think. Um, the kids understand a little bit more now how to play lacrosse rather than just, all right, we're going to work on this one thing, and then tomorrow we're going to work on this thing that's totally different, has nothing to do with what we were working on before.
0: <laughs> okay. Um, and speak- speaking of the players, you've had uh, two really good – the last few years, uh, Mark Galindo and Brian. Um, just talk a little bit about them because I know, you know, I'm looking at the uh, the series of tweets yesterday, you know, they set school records and, you know, tied. So, you know, and obviously Mark has been one of the, uh, he's gotten a lot of mentions in the uh, the stat leaders over the last couple of years. Cause I mean, he just seems like almost every game he's putting up, you know, seven goals or 10 points or something like that. So just kind of talk about how they developed and how they got, you know, so good um, so fast.
2: Um, I've got a great coaching staff. I mean, I, you know, that's. I. It, it's not just me. It's, right. it's definitely the the coaches that I have have really bought in, and the kids have have bought in. Mark and Brian especially. Uh, the fresh their freshman year, when I started it, obviously those were my those were my first class. Um, when we first started it, Mark came out the first day, and he's just throwing a catching, and I kind of, I look at one of my coaches, and I was like, has this kid played before, because that's the other thing, we've never had kids that, you know, had ever played lacrosse before, they get to the high school level, and it's freshman January, when you start, you know, when you can start the preseason, or, you know, whenever it is, February, this is the first time a lot of them ever touch a stick, so, you know, you're teaching them skills as they're learning how to play the game, and Sunshine, or Mark, we call him Sunshine, he just, he comes out, and he's throwing and catching the ball and just doing like he's not, you know, like it's no big deal. And I asked one of the coaches, like, has he ever played before? No, he's never played before. So that was one of the things that, you know, when he, when I saw that, I was like, man, this kid, this kid might be, might be something. And he's just, he's worked at his craft. After that first year, after his freshman year, all those guys were, were there all summer just throwing and catching and shooting and just, texting each other hey let's go to the field let's go to the field let's do this what are you doing same with brian brian uh you know his work has paid off i think he scored in like 31 straight games i mean i he was he was he was a player that you know he was gonna score just a matter of when yeah he was gonna score at least a goal and i think in all his high school games from his sophomore year on i think there's only one game one or two games he didn't score so that's what 30 60 games that he didn't score. He didn't score one, one goal. But those guys just, you know, they, they bought in. They were the, one of those guys that, you know, how it is when, when your best players are your hardest workers, it makes kind of everything easier. Yeah. And those guys definitely put in the work and, you know, and they reap the benefits as, you know, as seniors. Yeah.
0: And how important is that for, for the program that you guys are obviously still building your only you know, six, seven years old, so to have guys like that that kind of you know lead the way and show like how important is that for the program
2: it's huge uh, you know I, we've been around for six or seven years but you know I tell people I said really we've only been around four years because that's when we kind of took it serious mm-hmm. started taking it serious was four years ago when these kids kind of bought in and like hey we can you know we can win these games we played our first year or that my first year we played a team Admiral Farragut uh, which is up in Tampa, so it's about a two and a half hour ride, three hour ride, from Amakali. And we went up there and we beat them six three, and that was the first, you know, the first victory that that they had against a team that was, they weren't a great team the year before, but they were kind of where we were, you know, they were in, they were in our wheelhouse, some, a team that we could compete with, uh, kind of on the same skill level, and we beat them, and everybody was like, hey, we can, you know, we can beat, you know, we can beat some of these teams. And we we went back this year and played them, kind of brought everything full circle, the last game of the year, and I think we beat them seventeen to four. So, you know, that was that was kind of cool to be able to go back to where it all started. Yeah, yeah pretty. Cool. <clears throat> but but as far as those guys building it, I mean, now they've one of my one of my co- assistant coaches um, mentioned you know after the after the loss Thursday that. Uh, this team was kind of like our 2000 football team that lost to Sean Taylor. Uh, those are those are the guys that kind of set the tone for football. Now, obviously, football has gone on won a state championship and played. You know, we played for another one and they've got a lot of regional final appearances. So, you know, that that loss to Sean Taylor was in the regional semifinal. So, you know, he kind of put it to to the kids. Now, hey, you know, you guys have set the bar. Now it's time for those kids are going to be seniors next year, those juniors, those freshmen, those sophomores, it's time for you to take the bar and run with it. Yeah.
0: And I'm sure I'd have to guess that you, you've learned quite a bit about lacrosse over the past six or seven years.
2: Oh, definitely. <laughs> definitely. It's, uh, you know, the lacrosse as you know, lacrosse is a, is a, you know, kind of a gentleman's game. You know, if coaches are always willing to help other coaches. Officials are always willing to help you out. Um, and that was one thing that I really kind of surprised me with it at first, you know, that we were the little engine that could, you know, that couldn't a couple of years ago and, you know, teams would, you know, they'd get up on us by, you know, by 20 and then they'd, you know, they'd stop shooting, which mm-hmm. was, you know, really cool. And football, you know, you don't do that in football. You keep <laughs> running the ball and you keep trying to score, Yeah. you know, and, and if you're missing a guy on the wing on a face off, Hey coach, you know, you need a guy on the wing. Or if you're, you know, if you're missing a guy on attack, Hey coach, you need a tag guy down there. Um, and so that's really, really interesting. And that's just, has gotten me to enjoy lacrosse a lot more and, and, and really like the sport and want to do well with it. That and I hate losing. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, you know, my, my wife's been super supportive. She's always looking at stuff for me. She's, she's buying me, uh, you know, instructional stuff when we first started out, um, you know, just finding just finding little things. Talking to coaches, hey, what works for you? How do you guys do this? What do you got, you know, in a man up? What do you guys do? Officials have helped us out, so it's you know by explaining the rules a little bit more to me when we first started.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So it's it's definitely it's definitely been a huge lear- learning curve, and not had have, have not have playing the game growing up. Um, you know, I was kind of behind the eight ball as well. Yeah.
0: But yeah, that's great. It's one thing I noticed, Like coaches always seem willing to, you know, help each other out because I think everybody wants to see
2: the game grow and you know because we all love it exactly. Like exactly. And if you can, if you can get it in a in a, you know, area like ours. I mean, we're we're a inner city school without the inner city problem. I mean, without the inner city violence. We don't have a whole lot of violence out there, so that's one good thing. But we have a ton of broken homes, um, you know, and, and just the poverty. Right.
0: So, so you know, just having the program I guess just having something for, you know, the kids to, to rally around. I, don't know, I guess
2: something that Yeah, because not everybody's a football player. Right. Out there. You know, it gives them another sport um to kinda to grasp onto. And some of the you know, we do have some football players. You know, my one of my best players next year is gonna be, you know, he was a football player and he's gonna be he's going back and playing football this year. He injured his knee last year so he couldn't play football as this Past season, mm-hmm. but he's going to go back and he'll probably be a starting linebacker for on the football team.
0: Okay. So what? What was play for you?
2: oh uh, he's a midi. midi Okay. <laughs>
0: probably, yeah. I, if he's playing linebacker, I have to imagine he's probably pretty intimidating. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, he's he's one of my he's one of my biggest kids. He's probably. I mean, he he looks like a football player when he when he gets off the bus or out of the car. He looks like a football player. Yeah. Acts like a football player. <laughs> so. Football players are a little bit different than lacrosse players. I've learned. <laughs>
0: <laughs> a number of linebackers over over my days, and I always kind of equate them to lacrosse goalies. I'm like, there's there's something a little wrong with them, like just because yeah, like, to throw yourself into the into the battle like that, like you know, you're you know, wrong is probably the wrong term, but it's like you're. Your, your mind's wired a little bit differently.
2: Yeah, you're, you're a little bit different if you're a linebacker. <laughs> that's for sure.
0: Yeah. Um. So, all right. So, you know, this is, you know, your your fourth year as head coach and obviously your first kind of senior class is graduating. Just kind of to wrap up, what what does that kind of mean to you? Or this is, you know, head back, especially with Mark and Brian kind of helping the program so much over the last couple of years. Like, what does it mean to you to have your first graduating class as a lacrosse coach?
2: Bittersweet. You know, I wish, uh, you know, I'd sent out the – End of the year, we have to do our um, requests for next year. You know, what, what, what equipment do we need? Uh, this and that. So I send it out to the coaches. And so, you know, what do you guys need for next year? What, what, to help us? Got a couple emails back. A fifth year for Mark and Mark and Brian. That'd be great. <laughs> um, so, you know, those guys are. You're not going to replace those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you just hope you can find somebody that can that can be their own. Person, you know, hopefully next year Moises can be his own his own player and kind of take that that. What they've started and kind of just continue with it. It's bittersweet. We're going to miss those guys. Definitely. Um, We lose Ray, you know, who's been a four year goalie, set the the Florida record for saves. So the whole class, I mean, we're we're graduating a lot of a lot of experience and a lot of points and a lot of saves. But, uh, you know, that's what. Good programs do, and hopefully we're we're good enough now where we don't have to go all the way back to the beginning and, you know, to where we were four years ago. We're not going to be there. Now we're starting, you know, a little bit higher up. We just mm-hmm. got to find the next guys and, you know, keep working over the summer, um, you know, keep watching video and keep talking up the sport and see if we can't get some more of our athletes to come out and play. Because mm-hmm. that's the key. If we can get some of our athletes, and we have phenomenal athletes at Immokalee High School. Yeah, just getting them to play lacrosse, pick up the sport and not not be intimidated by trying to catch a, you know, a ball with a stick.
0: Right. Yeah, I guess that's the tough, especially, you know, I covered football for years and years. And I know, you know, football has kind of become a year round sport at this point, you know, once Mm
2: -hmm.
0: you kind of start training for the combines and all, you know, all the the spring and summer stuff that goes on with that, you know, seven on seven tournaments. And yeah, Maryland, I'm sure Florida, it might even be a little bit more.
2: um, Oh, man, Florida's crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and you know, lacrosse is all, almost kind of becoming that too with the summer travel programs. Yeah, you know, there was we were able to start a, a summer travel program, travel team in Immokalee, um the Amakuli Venom. So, you know, that's another opportunity for the kids to kind of keep a stick in their hand over over the summer. Uh, those guys do a good job over there of just running it and and keeping the kids engaged. They're, I think they're trying to get into the elementary schools and the middle schools this summer. So hopefully they can build a you know U thirteen U eleven team, and that's really going to help.
0: Right, I guess having that, that feeder type program where coming in, mean, and then like you said, you get the kids as their freshmen that have played before, and so you're not trying to teach them two things at once. Um, I can that can be tremendous help. You know, that's how you know I know talking to a lot of coaches, that's that was usually their first big uh, you know step is just getting the the kind of the feeder programs built up. To where you know once they get to high school, they you know there's a basic
2: understanding and the kids know
0: a little bit about the sport and then they can kind of get
2: that next level over there. Exactly, exactly. That's you know that's kind of what we faced for, like I said, for two or three you know the first couple of years is you get the freshmen out that have never played and then of course you get your seniors out that want to come out as a senior, and that and you know inevitably happens every year with us and you know we've we've been lucky the last couple of years we found. Uh, a couple diamonds in the rough. You know, we had a kid last year who was a lockdown defender. Couldn't cradle, couldn't catch the ball, couldn't do anything. When you get the ball, I'd have to call timeout, but (laughs) he could lock down. I mean, he could, he could play defense. He was, you know, he played DB uh, for me and he was, you know, the kid was just a great athlete and he would be able to lock down whoever. And then this year we had another kid came out as a basketball player, played LSM. And he's got a division two school looking at him. He's got union college, the, NAIA school looking at them so you know it's a great story for those kids that come out and put in put in some work and then hopefully get a little bit of financial aid when they go to college yeah And that's the big thing is just getting them out of a mockery you know go 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 get an education and you know if you want to come back that's fine but get out and get an education